Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you, journalist turned psychologist. Dr. Lori Nadell is on the front lines of disaster mental health. For the past couple of years, she's been leading a Sunday night support program online for long haulers. The 30% of COVID patients who develop severe neurological cardiac conditions after surviving the acute respiratory infection stage. And after 20 years working in television news, she saw that people whose lives were shattered by breaking news events would need targeted support. Returning to school to become a psychologist, she's been on the front lines of mental health after 9-11, Hurricane Sandy, the Parkland school shooting, and now the current pandemic. Maria Shriver, journalist and part of the Kennedy clan, calls Dr. Lori an architect of change. Her latest book is called The Five Gifts. And Lori, welcome back to the program. George, thank you so much for having me back. It's good to have you. What a time, though, huh? Oh, crazy. What is it the Chinese say? May you live in interesting times. Yeah, absolutely. Are you seeing this with a lot of people? The stress levels have just gone through the roof. Through the roof. Uh, I, I've never um, never seen anything like this. I, I think the... Uh, the in the uncertainty uh, going into year three uh, is just uh, really causing people to get agitated, and the numbers show that anxiety levels are much higher than they were in 2019. As the restrictions continue to try to get you know poured on people, they're getting more and more uptight about it, aren't they? Um, I I think people don't know what to do. You know, did you stay in? Do you go out? Do you you wear a mask? Um, What kind of mask? Uh, You know, do you get vaccinated? And when you get vaccinated, is it going to protect you? Is it not going to protect you? Is there a new variant? What what other new variants may be coming down the pike? And, you know, I think that, you know, it may be helpful to to think, you know, to, to kind of take a historical big picture view and realize that, you know, this isn't the first pandemic that our species has survived. And I just wanted to actually read something briefly sure. from um, a book called Epidemics in Society from the Black Death to the Present. Um, it's by Frank Snowden. He's a, a history professor at Yale. I thought it was very interesting because he writes, bubonic plague is one of the best examples of a disease that affects every aspect of society. It's recurring cycles with an epidemic, I hate to say this, with an epidemic every generation constituted a major break on population growth between the 14th and 18th centuries. It had devastating effects as well on economic life and development, and it substantially influenced religion and popular culture, giving rise to a new piety, uh, to cults of what they called plague saints, and to passion plays. It also deeply affected the relationship of people to their mortality and indeed to God. Now, I think we could say this about our current pandemic. I, I don't think that, that humanity, where we are, uh, I think every person in the globe is affected by this, and it's going to have a, a incredible effect for generations to come. I've got a friend, uh, Laurie, who's a doctor, mm-hmm. and he said he has never seen so many cases of people coming to him for anxiety and wanting medications or whatever, but he says, I've never seen it this high. Um, I'm sure that that's true. It was uh, it was very high 
Uh, I think when we spoke uh, last year, it had uh, jumped up uh, as far as I, I could, uh, statistics I was able to find, it jumped up from like 8.2% to something like 42%. Oh but that was, uh, those, those statistics were for 2020, 2020, I think the end of 2020. And it's just, it's just escalating anxiety and a sense of helplessness. And when we talk about disaster, we're talking about uh, mass uh, casualty events in which, um, you know, technically more than five people are kind of uh, killed is, is one definition. And certainly we have millions and millions of people around the world who have died uh, from this and uh, who are getting, who continue to get sick. Uh, and so we're looking at, at you know, that this pathogen is an invisible energy, it's an invisible en- enemy. Um, it doesn't have a face. It's amorphous. Um, experts call this a disaster of uncertainty, unlike other disasters or catastrophes that had a beginning, a middle, and an end. We don't really know when this one began, how long it's going to last, how many variants is it going to have, when is it going to be over, and, and the continuing evolution and the continuing, um, I hate to say it, kind of hysteria around each new variant in each new wave is just causing these uh, anxiety uh, levels to rise and also anger because mm-hmm. anger comes from helplessness. Absolutely. And, and one of my trauma. concerns, Lori, yeah. is with the children because they have never faced this before. No. What's going to happen to them a couple of years from now after they faced this for so many years? I, I think this is going to be traumatizing for um, you know generations, actually generations of children, generations of young people. Um, I, I just, uh, I, you know, when we talk about a trauma, we're talking about you know a life and death uh, event that happens, where suddenly you know you're going along in normal, and suddenly you're in a life-threatening scenario or situation. Could be a near, it could be a near miss on the highway. It could be an accident. It could be witnessing something. And um, I think that, you know, because we're dealing with this pandemic, which has um, it escalating into horrifying long-term damage to people's health, um, I think in, in children um, and young people growing up uh, will have this as an imprint, just like our, our parents and grandparents grew up with the poverty of the Depression and it became an imprint. It becomes a lens through which you look at the future. I think that we will be also probably biochemically changed. Our brains will process danger in different ways now because we never we were safe from experiencing something like this until the last two years. And now everybody is aware of that there's this bio threat that's kind of in the air, and the as I said, the helplessness of not knowing what to do, not not you, we can't. Nobody, nobody seems to know how to make it go away, or how to treat it, or how to help people who've been sick now going into year three. About thirty percent of people who get COVID end up with long-term or permanent uh, health problems, uh, serious health problems, disability for many. Uh, because of COVID, and it's it's really quite terrifying. Is that what a long hauler is? Someone who's been faced with longer situations with COVID? Yeah, it's um, they they call. It, I mean, the, the the technical the technical term for it, but it's described by the NIH as a constellation of symptoms. So 
if you once you come through the acute respiratory um, illness phase, um, it can start to show up, you know, a month or two months or several months later as uh, chronic fatigue, uh, neuropathy or nerve pain, uh, brain fog, um, difficulty concentrating, uh, sometimes continuing shortness of breath, uh, nervous, nervous neurological disorder. Oh, sounds like PTSD, doesn't it? Um, and PTSD, yes, of course. PTSD, absolutely. It's almost like the same symptoms. Uh, sim- similar, very similar, but they're, they're, it also affects, uh, there's new research that shows it can affect the lining of the heart um, actually very early on. It can cause inflammation in the brain. I mean, this, this, is, this is a severely deadly uh, virus uh, in, in many of its manifestations. And, of course, there are many people who get over it very quickly, and they're very quick to dismiss it as having, you know, no, no seriousness at all. And so it's, you know, it's, it's kind of almost like the, the weird randomness of it makes it so hard to comprehend. Why do some people get it bad and others don't? Is it their immune system or is there something else? I wish we knew. I mean, most of the uh, people who I've, I've met and has been my privilege to, uh, you know, spend time with over the last uh, few, you know, couple of years have been previously healthy. Uh, they had no serious health issues. Many of them were active meditators. They practiced yoga, did Pilates, um, ate organic food. Uh, basically, you know, the, the, this level of, of illness would seem to defy all of the studies that say if you want to live a long, healthy life, this is what you should do. I know many people who were doing everything that were supposed to be doing for decades and then came down with this, and it went from being a respiratory infection in the acute phase into this kind of lo- what they call long COVID or, or sequelae, post-COVID sequelae is what the, the medical term for it. And uh, it's affecting you know millions of people in this country and around the world. Let's talk about rage for a moment, Lori. You said it's almost at an epidemic stage. What is causing it beyond just the COVID? What is COVID doing to the rage? You know, that's a really interesting chicken and egg. Um, I think, you know, there's, there's, a, um, a, there's a suspicion that's kind of growing. People, people are questioning um, all, all sources of information from the CDC to people on, people on one side of the spectrum. On the other side of the spectrum, there's, there's so much... Uh, stuff floating around, and um, and people are, I, I think, just becoming suspicious of each other. So, you know, if you're sitting on an airplane, for example, and you're sitting next to somebody who's got their mask down below their nose, um, you know, if you're a passenger, you're unlikely to ask the person to please adjust their mask. Even the flight attendants will stand a few feet away and look at that person and won't won't address it because flight attendants are getting assaulted. So yeah, I mean, it's crazy. The, the, it's crazy, right. So, so there's like this intimidation factor where you don't, want to, um, you don't want to raise any questions or you don't want to ask the person sitting next to you on a flight, um, excuse me, sir, uh, could you please put your mask up? And by the way, are you vaccinated? Because if you ask that question, uh, you know, the whole airplane could break out in a fight. I mean, it's crazy. Are we going to get out of this? Yeah, we will. 
I, uh, we will. I, I, I don't know when we're going to get out of it, but we will definitely get out of it. And, you know, I think that there are um, positive um, and, and a, lot of, a lot of teachings or lessons um, in this crisis for us, uh, both in terms of um, as a country, as a culture, and I think, you know, even humanity as a species. Uh, we, we need to be able to come together and to be able to support each other as we go through this. And I think that that's, that has to be one of the things that, that we um, develop, uh, support networks, uh, communities. Um, I know that a lot of people are telling me that their, their friendships are deeper and more meaningful, their connections to family are deeper and more meaningful, uh, somehow out of this, you know, as, as Frank Snowden said um, in his uh, eloquent paragraph, that people's sense of mortality, when we have a sense of mortality, it, it makes a, it gives life a, a, a different kind of meaning. And sometimes people come through this because they, they feel more alive, almost like an existential awakening that happens. You wrote the five gifts right before the pandemic. What did you did you see this coming? Well, I knew something was coming. I didn't know it was this. I think as a New Yorker, whenever, you know, you feel like something's in the air or something's happening, you always kind of, you know, your first reference is, oh, my God, you know, what if there's another 9-11? So um, I, I did kind of looking at the trends, um, and, I, and I write about these in The Five Gifts, that we, we are living in a turbulent cycle, and I was very much aware that disasters of, of all kinds were increasing. We have um, natural disasters, we have environmental disasters, and we have intentional disasters, which are usually considered like acts of terrorism or, um, you know, shootings, right, you know, mass shootings, um, hostage-taking, that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, this one is so scrambled, like we don't know what kind of disaster this is, and that increases, that, that, that it exacerbates that sense of helplessness we don't know who to blame, and you know we, it, it's human to want to put a face on the enemy, and this enemy is faceless. I mean, we have no idea. It's invisible. It's amorphous. It's deadly. We don't know where it's coming from. We don't know where it's going. But we will come through this, and I think we can build a lot of strength um, as a people by going through this with again with these five gifts, which are humility, patience, empathy forgiveness, and growth. Interesting. We'll go through some of that. Is this happening worldwide? Yeah. Oh, it, it is happening worldwide. Um, you know, we don't really hear a lot about what's happening, you know, in other countries. but um, They, they yeah, kind of muffle it from us. Uh, it, it's happening all over the world. It's crazy. Now, what gets us out of it? Well, I mean, there's the, you know, the, you know, I... I I'm, I'm laughing because it's kind of ironic. And reading that that paragraph about the bubonic plague that lasted for hundreds of years, and we can only hope that this thing, you know, is 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 not endemic uh, for anywhere close to that. Well, if this was made in a lab, and I convinced it was, who knows how dangerous it is? Exactly. Well, I I tend to agree with you. Um, I don't think it behaves. Uh, like a previous uh, epidemics, but I would like to kind of add a note of, I guess, reassurance is that when we if we go back to AIDS and HIV, and I, I often say this to people, you know, it it took 
uh, I don't know how many years, but it, it was quite a few years between the time that um, the uh, you know the AIDS that AIDS was identified uh, to the time when they began to develop uh, medicines and pharmaceuticals and cocktails that could be used to prolong people's lives when it stopped being a death sentence. And I think that you know, as treatments are developed, both uh, holistic and nutritional supplements, and uh, as well as pharmaceutical treatments, and um, and some of the uh, fear and hysteria dies down, uh, I think will start to stabilize. What would you recommend is the most important thing people do to calm down? Oh, I think the most important thing that people should do, and and I've been thinking about this a lot. Find five minutes, a five-minute window sometime during your day and close your eyes and go back to a place in time when you felt relaxed and calm or when you were just having a good time. Maybe you were on vacation. Maybe you were hanging out with your pet. And just close your eyes and, and step into that and let yourself experience what it was like to see and hear and feel being in that place. And when you do that, what you're doing is you're activating and accessing the molecules of emotion that are actually healing and relaxing and, again, grounding. And if you get into the habit of doing that for five minutes a day, it's going to help to reset your nervous system so that you will have more sustainable energy and be less volatile throughout the rest of the day. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.